0: With the removal of restrictions on Iran's ballistic missile program, this agreement will give Iran the means to launch a nuclear attack on the U.S. homeland.
1: (laughs) Oh, Dick Cheney, you never Pacifica Radios, KPFK in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast, as heard on 90.7 FM in LA, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the beautiful Oregon Central Coast, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org, streaming on the Progressive Voices channel, on the Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, radio or not. Radio Free Brooklyn, other affiliates in parts unknown, and of course, Radio Sputnik, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another uh, thrilling adventure of the Bradcast. We've got some fairly noteworthy presidential election polling news coming up momentarily i we don't cover a lot of presidential polling news unless it's important unless it's noteworthy unless there's a landmark uh, uh, change in what we know to date and we have a little bit a little bit of that straight ahead so you're going to want to stay tuned also uh some new details now on an exclusive scoop on intelligence being manipulated in the Middle East by officials in the Obama administration. Um, you remember the uh, remember the old Downing Street memos uh, that uh, accused the Bush administration of fixing the facts around the policy. The policy was that they wanted to invade Iraq no matter what. they were going to come up with uh, reasons to do so no matter what, even if they had to manipulate the intelligence. That's, of course, what the uh, George W. Bush administration did in the lead up to the Iraq war, according to those infamous Downing Street memos from the then uh, British foreign minister's office. Are we seeing something similar? Sort of? Kind of? Right now? In the fight against ISIS, 50 intelligence analysts are reportedly now saying that the intelligence is being, quote, cooked by top officials. Uh one of the reporters on that exclusive scoop that uh, broke late last night uh from the Daily Beast will be here to join us later in this hour to find out who is manipulating what intelligence uh it's it's a well kind of an explosive story so looking forward to speaking to Shane Harris of the Daily Beast about that uh, momentarily. Also, Desi Doyen uh, and uh, the Green News. Uh, Hey, Desi Doyen. Hey. Uh, Desi, of course, we'll be here with the uh, Green News Report a little bit later. We've got a lot to catch up there since we uh, were off for a day or two uh, from the Green News Report, thanks to the Labor Day holiday. Yeah. Uh, So a lot to catch up there, including a new entry into the 2016 Democratic presidential race. We will have... His position on climate change as we have been covering all of the uh presidential candidates this year as they've gotten into the uh into the race. Um also the um well, Sarah Palin, that's right. We will we'll have some for you, Sarah Palin fans, you're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned for the Green News Report a little bit later. We've got plenty of Sarah Palin. Oh yeah, uh, who has returned and made a unbelievable. Is it even fair to call them gaffes anymore when it's Sarah Palin? It's just, you know
2: she's turned word salad into a culinary experience yes. of, of 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 brain fry. Yes, yes.
1: Well, uh, if not a gaff, then a Palinism. Uh, certainly something she was amazingly wrong about. That it seems like Sarah Palin, of all people, should have been right about. But yeah. we will we will have that. Uh, and we will have some uh, news on the oil industry's deceptive ad campaign. Big Oil's deceptive ad campaign out here in California uh, as the state uh, breaks new ground in climate and energy legislation but uh, loses a big one. And this happened moments after we got off the air yesterday. We, uh, we spoke with um, uh, Timothy O'Connor from the Environmental Defense Fund yesterday about these ads that have been airing in California. Incredibly deceptive from the uh, Western Petroleum Association claiming that California was about to start rationing, rationing gas and limiting miles that drivers could drive out here in California.
2: If you can afford a Tesla, then this message won't really matter to you. But the California Gas Restriction Act of 2015 will restrict the use of gas and diesel in California by 50% over the next 15 years. Some say it's about state regulators limiting how far we can drive by rationing gas, increasing costs, or penalizing drivers for using too much gas. But really, it's about making it harder for regular people to drive to work and drive home each day.
1: Actually no, it's not about that at all. It's not about rationing gas. The ad, the bill is not called the uh, what is it? The Gas Restriction, Restriction Act, Act of yeah. 2015. Uh, no, it's none of that. That was big oil completely lying, blanketing the airwaves out here. And uh, yeah, Tim O'Connor explained uh, why that was stuff and nonsense. In reality, Jerry Brown and the Democrats, most of them in a, in any event, were hoping to uh, cut petroleum usage out here in California by 50 percent in 15 years. That's huge. That was a big, uh, a big mandate that they were going for, or at least a big target they were going for. Uh, we talked about it on yesterday's show, and no sooner did we get off the air than Democrats were forced to drop that provision from their landmark environmental bill. Uh, And uh, they kept the other There's a lot of other good stuff in there They'll be doubling uh, uh, Doubling the renewable
2: energy efficiency standard For the state Which means uh, 50% electricity Mm -hmm. Has to be 50% renewable energy sources And as you said Doubling the energy efficiency of existing buildings Which is a huge deal
1: Well a lot of uh, huge stuff But of course uh, cutting petroleum use by 50% Would have had reverberations around the country and uh, as uh, Senate Leader Kevin De Leon, uh said, after he was forced to pull this out because some fellow Democrats would not go along with it, uh, they were uh, persuaded by the lies of Big Oil. In any event, uh, Kevin DeLeon said, "quote We reached for something grand, but in the end, we could not cut through the multi-million-dollar smokescreen." L.A. Times reporting that oil companies had launched fierce opposition. To this measure, SB 350, Um, Brown, uh, Jerry Brown, on the other hand, uh, said that oil industry and its allies wanted more changes to the bill than he was willing to make. uh, So he didn't make them. And instead, they just pulled them uh, pulled them out entirely. But he has vowed to fight another day in his presser his press conference after they removed this from the bill. Here's what Jerry Brown had to say.
2: I'd say oil is one of skirmish. Uh, But they've lost the bigger battle because I am more determined than ever to make our regulatory regime work for the people of California, cleaning up the air, reducing the petroleum and creating uh, the green jobs that are going to put hundreds of thousands of people to work over the coming decades.
1: So that was Jerry Brown yesterday after that uh, legislative initiative to uh, curb uh, petroleum use in California by 50 percent. Failed, had to be removed, but he vows to fight on using uh, the regulatory procedures if necessary. Environmentalists, according to the L.A. Times, were, of course, disappointed, but oddly buoyed by uh, Brown's uh, comments in that press conference. Catherine Phillips of the Sierra Club, California, told the L.A. Times, I'm feeling oddly encouraged. She said, I have not heard the governor be as strongly committed to protecting Californians from the effects of oil uh, as she was in that press conference. So maybe uh, maybe there's good news ahead. Maybe there's hope ahead for this. Um, it seems that people are now understand. This was, you know, he says this was the first volley. Uh, and, in fact, that's the case. We saw a similar moment some years ago with coal. And since then, coal has, what? Crashed. It crashed. Uh, yeah, and not just because of uh, fracking and the, the, the cheaper natural, natural gas. gas. right. Nobody wants coal anymore. They're getting it now. They're getting, they're understanding the dangers. And that industry is, uh, like you say, Desi Doyen, is crashing.
2: Even in China. Even in China, because China is trying to pull back on the egregious pollution that has resulted from their their jump into development. And so they are pulling back from coal, and it's it's crashed in China as well.
1: Is this uh, what we can expect from the oil industry? I don't know, but uh, Elon Musk... Who is? Uh, how did they describe it? The real life Tony Stark, uh, yeah. Elon Musk, uh, this billionaire inventor, inventor, CEO, uh,
2: SpaceX, t- SolarCity, right? City, Tesla electric yeah.
1: cars. Yeah, he's going to take over the world. He was uh, on the uh, the New Late Show with Stephen Colbert last night, uh, and he is he's almost the uh, the anti-Trump. I think that's who he is. He's yes. a billionaire who's using his powers for good instead of evil. <laughs> uh, and uh, and by the way, I'm not saying these nice things about Elon Musk just because I think we deserve a free Tesla. But we'll of take course one. Not. Well, no, but we will take one. Uh, yeah, I've been complaining for years. We've been doing the Green News Report for how many years? Seven years, something like that. Talking about electric cars, talking about the importance of it, and Elon Musk can't give us one free Tesla. But I digress. Uh, he was asked by Colbert last night uh, about what is the most important thing, uh, frankly, that needs to be done in this world. Here's a quick clip from that. You think that we can
0: put our minds to it and actually make the world a better place. What do you think yeah, we absolutely. need more than anything else? Well, I think the most important thing we need to solve this century is sustainable energy. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's it. Yeah.
1: The most important thing we need to solve. That was Elon Musk on uh, on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert last night uh, saying what needs to be said in front of a general purpose audience, uh, not these, uh, you know, lefty nerds who, who listen to you, Desi Doyen, on your <laughs> uh, on your tree-hugging green news report. But uh, so that was good news. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that said, particularly since Obama has a similar, similarly said that the greatest existential threat that this planet faces is climate change, and you got a whole bunch of Republicans out there making fun uh, of that claim.
2: And Obama also says that it is also the biggest opportunity of yeah. the 20th, 21st century because that is going to be the next thing. Uh, it's like the Internet revolutionized the economy and brought in new jobs and, and basically upended everything. So the clean energy revolution will do the same, and uh, oil industry is trying to hold us back.
1: And you people out there listening who... Uh, don't agree or who don't understand don't worry you will understand and you will agree once you're actually understand what's actually going on out there because there's a lot of misinformation there has been for years we try to clean up that misinformation on this show and on the green news report and uh, it's okay if you don't get it you will you will eventually Uh, All right. uh, Moving on to some presidential politics, which we have not talked about on this program in a while, it seems. Uh, We're either talking about it too much for my taste or not enough. And in this case, uh, last we checked in on the uh, presidential race. We've got news both on the Republican and the Democratic side. Let's start with the Democrats. Uh, Last we checked in, uh, Bernie Sanders was consistently defeating the so-called frontrunner Hillary Clinton in New Hampshire in the primary state uh, the first uh, in the nation primary state of New Hampshire beating her uh handily actually in uh, in a number of polls uh, and he was beginning to close in on her in Iowa I think it was uh, he was 7 point he was still behind but was 7 points off the mark in Iowa well we've got this today Bernie Sanders, according to a new poll from Quinnipiac, is now polling at 41 percent to Clinton's 40 percent in Iowa, the first in the nation caucus state. So Sanders is up 41 to 40. Now, that is, of course, still within the margin of error of this particular poll, but where he had been uh, getting trounced previously in Iowa and then closing the gap in Iowa now he has a one-point lead, according to the latest Quinnipiac poll released on Thursday. Uh, that is notable because in July, the same poll, Quinnipiac found Clinton leading Sanders by 19 points. So we don't hear, we hear a lot about about Republicans uh, these days and their silly uh, presidential race, but not as much about Democrats. We should because there's a real race going on there, whether you've heard about that or not. Um, and you may not have heard about it because, well, other than uh, the race is not filled with crazy people like it is on the Republican side, the Democrats are also not holding debates. And we talked about this last week after Martin O'Malley came out and uh, decried the the Democratic Party, uh, the DNC chair, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, for holding only six debates total, just four prior to uh, the beginning of voting in Iowa and New Hampshire, and that New Hampshire debate takes place like the weekend before Christmas, December 19, on a Saturday, you know, when nobody can see it, uh, or nobody will see it. Uh, And so, uh, you know, the the claim is that Debbie Wasserman Schultz, head of the DNC, is in the bag for Hillary Clinton, maybe so, I don't know. Uh, But the fact that they are not debating in public... Uh, you know, the Republicans had some 24 million people tuned in to their first debate. That's not going to happen with the Democrats because uh, they don't have a Donald Trump, but it's certainly not going to happen. Zero millions of people will be tuning in <laughs> if you don't hold debates. Uh, and as a matter of fact, if Debbie Wasserman Schultz thinks she's helping Hillary with this, uh, I believe she is not. And Martin O'Malley. Uh, was on Chris Hayes and and made a a cogent uh, point about this specifically last night.
0: Our party's now, in the absence of debate, been branded with this
1: email controversy and question after question. Right. It's an email controversy, question after question, concerning Hillary Clinton. As far as I'm concerned, at this point, it's a fake email controversy. There's really nothing particularly controversial or scandalous about it. But the media has nothing else to talk about, uh, by and large, when it comes to the Democrats, and so they talk about this. If they were talking about debates, if they were ha- holding debates, it would be a completely different story. The Democrats have never limited debates in this way uh, that they are doing now, and they will uh, sanction any uh, candidates who participate in a uh, a a non-approved Democratic debate. That's ridiculous because, you know, what? Bernie Sanders has been calling for debates on specific issues, which is really smart. Let's have a debate on the environment. Let's have a debate on, uh, you know, whether climate change is the, the greatest existential threat that this uh, planet faces. Let's have that debate with not just the Democrats, but anybody else who wants to jump in. Any of the Republicans want to jump into that debate?
2: Or to talk about immigration, or to talk about youth issues like uh, affordable college. He mentioned a number of specific issues that he said we should be talking about these specifically with everybody.
1: With everybody. Yeah, why not? Sounds like a great idea. Well, if anybody wants to do that, uh, at least on the Democratic side, they will now be penalized. Also on the Republican side, they have a similar rule. Uh, So that's not going to happen as long as uh, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, congresswoman from Florida, head of the DNC, has her way. Now she's facing criticism even from the vice chairs of the DNC at this point. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard uh, of uh, Hawaii and uh, Minneapolis Mayor R.T. Ryback said that we believe, quote, we believe that the DNC's decision to limit presidential candidates to six debates with a threat of exclusion for any candidates who participate in any non-DNC-sanctioned debate, is a mistake. It limits the ability of the American people to benefit from a strong, transparent, vigorous debate between our presidential candidates. Uh, I couldn't agree more. However, Wasserman Schultz says, quote, we are not changing the process, period. So there she is. Uh, Let's move to the uh, Republican side now. Uh, where Jeb Bush <laughs> tells CNN's Jake Tapper this afternoon that he doesn't think, quote, "You can insult your way to the presidency." Obviously talking about Donald Trump there, he uh, may or may may or may not be right when it comes to insulting your way to the presidency, but you may be able to insult your way to the uh, nomination on the Republican side of the aisle, Uh, his obviously uh, what Donald Trump is doing seems to be working, seems to be working in a huge way. And as if uh, Desi, I don't know if, if you recall this, but Groucho Marx used to he used to go out, you know, he would insult everyone. That was his, his shtick. It was uh, funny. And he would act. There was a story that was told that he showed up on Wall Street one day uh, down at the markets, and the markets just stopped. And everybody was saying, Groucho, please insult me. Insult no. me. They wanted <laughs> to be insulted by Groucho Marx. Uh, Bobby Jindal apparently wants to be insulted by Donald Trump. He has uh, called this. Uh, Unbelievable remarks about Donald Trump. We don't have time to play them. He went on and on and on, called Donald Trump an egomaniacal madman, says he hasn't read the Bible quote because he's not in it.
0: Probably true. That's that's a good line. I know.
1: Uh, it's time to get serious about making America great again. So it's time for Donald Trump to take the ride down his own elevator. It's time to tell Donald Trump, no, we will not put an ego maniacal, unserious person in the White House. You're fired. He went on and on. Wow. Because Bobby Jindal, governor of Louisiana, who is running for uh, president, is in the absolute basement. I can't even believe he's still in this race. I guess he assumes that insulting uh, uh, Donald Trump will get Donald Trump to push back and somehow this will be good for Bobby Jindal. Uh, none of that has worked for Jeb Bush or any of these other candidates. Be careful
2: when you pull the tiger by the tail. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I don't know what Bobby Jindal is thinking, but that's what Bobby Jindal is doing. That is apparently his Hail Mary to try to appear in the polls above zero percent. <laughs> um Scott Walker is not working for him either. So now he is promising to, quote, wreak havoc on day one on Washington when he is uh, when he is elected president. Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, who was supposed to be one of the front runners, who's just absolutely plummeting in the polls. uh, He says that starting on day one, he would prohibit the federal government from automatically deducting union dues from workers paychecks. Now, I don't know if the president has the power to do that, but uh, Walker uh, claims that's what he's going to do. Now, workers already can voluntarily choose not to have money taken out of their paychecks uh, in the federal government. But Walker wants to do away with the automatic deductions altogether, whether these workers want it or not. Uh, he didn't explain how federal workers would, uh, who belong to unions would actually pay their dues, according to AP. Uh, he says he'll have uh, more details in his speech next week. But until then, he's going to, quote, wreak havoc. Josh Marshall over at Talking Points Memo says this. Uh, he has never seen a better example of the Trump effect. His campaign has been test driving that line about uh, wreaking havoc for a while. This is the first time they've used it officially. In other words, says uh, Marshall, Scott Walker is just going to start breaking things. Anything. Because he's more hardcore than Donald Trump. It's time to wreak havoc on the status quo in Washington, says Walker, doing his best Trump uh, impersonation. It's not going to work for him either, I suspect. All right. Uh, And finally, we don't have, unfortunately, we don't have time uh, because I got to get to uh, the interview here in a moment. Uh, But the Iran deal has completely fallen apart now. Uh, over in uh, in the U.S. House, they now have they're able they've got enough Democrats to uh, uh, sustain any veto if the Republicans figure out how to vote against the proposal in the House. Same is true over in the U.S. Senate. It is over. It is driving Republicans crazy. The warmongers that were hoping they'd have a war with Iran. The bad news for them is it looks like they are not going to get one, thanks to this deal for peace with Iran. All right. Before we get to a break here, Obama is ordering officials to allow up to 10,000 Syrian refugees into the U.S. That's not going to make Donald Trump happy. Uh, But is this flood of refugees thanks in any part to a less than accurate uh, administration assessment of the rise of ISIS in Syria, in Iraq, in Libya over the past year or two? Well, according to a brand new exclusive report from the Daily Beast, the answer could maybe be yes. Or at least, as the report suggests, some 50 intelligence analysts are now claiming that the intel on ISIS has been cooked by someone. We will find out who as we talk with the journalist who offered that troubling scoop late last night. We will talk to him next, right after this. Stay tuned. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast.
2: I'll thank you now. Don't talk about the weather. It's a military secret.
1: Just keep your wits together.
2: That's the safest way to keep it.
0: These are Critical Times. Be careful of espionage. Welcome back. <laughs> In such critical times, uh-huh.
1: you've got to watch out
0: for sabotage. Oh, you do.
1: Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. A pretty explosive story late last night uh, coming out from the Daily Beast. Uh, I'll read a few paragraphs here. It's being called a revolt. ...by intelligence pros who are paid to give their honest assessment of the ISIS war but are instead seeing their reports turned into happy talk. More than 50 intelligence analysts working out of the U.S. military's Central Command have formally complained that their reports on ISIS and al-Qaeda's branch in Syria were being inappropriately altered by senior officials... According to an exclusive report published late last night by Shane Harris and Nancy Youssef at the Daily Beast, the complaints spurred the Pentagon's inspector general to open an investigation into the alleged manipulation of intelligence. The fact that so many people complained suggests there are deep-rooted systemic problems in how the U.S. military command charged with the war against the self-proclaimed Islamic State assesses intelligence say, Harris and Youssef at the Daily Beast. The cancer was within the senior level of the intelligence command, according to one unnamed defense official. And I want to underscore here that uh, pretty much everyone in this report at this time is unnamed. Two senior analysts at CENTCOM signed a written complaint sent to the Defense Department Inspector General in July alleging that the reports, some of which were briefed to President Obama, portrayed the terror groups as weaker than the analyst believes they really are. The reports were changed by CENTCOM higher-ups to adhere to the administration's public line that the U.S. is winning the battle against ISIS and al-Nusra, which is al-Qaeda's branch in Syria, according to these analysts. That complaint was supported by 50 other analysts, some of whom have uh, complained about politicizing of intelligence reports for months. Oh, that sounds familiar. That is according to 11 individuals, again unnamed, who are uh, said to be knowledgeable about the details of the report and who spoke to the Daily Beast on condition of anonymity. The allegations echoed charges that political appointees and senior officials cherry-picked intelligence about Iraq's supposed weapons uh, weapons program back in 2002 and 2003. Here to talk about this story is Shane Harris, one of its uh, one of its authors. Shane Harris is a senior intelligence and national security correspondent for the Daily Beast. Uh, prior to that, he was a senior writer at Foreign Policy Magazine. He's the author of two books: At War, The Rise of the Military Internet Complex and The Watchers, The Rise of America's Surveillance State. His exclusive at the Daily Beast with Nancy Youssef is headlined, Exclusive 50 Spies Say ISIS Intelligence Was Cooked. Shane Harris, welcome to the broadcast, sir.
0: Hi, thanks for having me. Good Sh- to talk to you.
1: Yeah, and to you. Uh, wow. Uh, intelligence was cooked. 50 analysts. Uh, Okay, I want to get into some of these details because, you know, we see a lot of uh, I've seen a lot of these reports over the years. And when you don't have, uh, you know, when someone like me looks at your report, you know who you're talking to. You know who these analysts are. They are unnamed for your report. So we sort of have to go through you as a conduit to, uh, you know, to, to figure out if these guys making this claim, these claims are legitimate. So. Let's explain these claims here and then I want to talk about the math, who is actually making these claims, who is doing what and and so forth. So can you explain specifically what these complaints are and where they are emanating from?
0: Right. So the the analysts in question are 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 experts in Iraq and in Syria and also uh, in al-Qaeda, and particularly the al-Nusra Front in Syria, they're branched there, and ISIS. So we're talking about sort of very seasoned, uh, line-level, if you will, analysts who spend their days looking at these groups and trying to assess their strengths, their weaknesses, what they might do next, what they've done historically. And then these reports that they generate based on this information uh, that they're collecting uh, are eventually, if you like, sort of moved up through the chain and eventually would go on to be potentially included in briefings for President Obama or senior military officials. But it all sort of generates with these kind of uh, analysts who are looking at this very close-up. You can almost kind of think of them as like reporters and the people who sit above them would sort of be like their editors, so to equate it to the environment I work in every day. And what they're saying is that they are seeing some of their reports, uh, key pieces of them that they think are very important, taken out, uh, not giving the proper context, in some cases making it look like ISIS and al-Qaeda are weaker than these analysts actually believe they are. Mm -hmm. And what they decided to do is uh, raise these issues internally with their bosses, uh, and our understanding is that they did not get a satisfactory response, and at that point, decided to effectively blow the whistle and go to the defense Department's inspector general their watchdog arm and say look this is inappropriate our reports are being doctored this is interference and this is not how intelligence analysis is supposed to work Uh, so you've got people who essentially are standing by the the their own work Mm and saying that what's coming out the other end looks different from how it did in the beginning
1: that sounds uh, horrifyingly familiar, frankly, for those of us who cover the Bush administration for all of these years. But these these analysts, are they uh, and I, I appreciate you can't give away you know that much about the, the sources and so forth. But but are they are these independent contractors or are these actually uh, folks who are working for the uh, I guess not the CIA here, but the uh, the, the the DIA, the uh, uh, Defense Intelligence right. Agency?
0: Well, we know that these are <clears throat> professional career analysts. Mm-hmm. Some of them do work for the Defense Intelligence Agency and are, are working at Central Command, but are technically under the Defense Intelligence Agency. That's the, sort of their home agency. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but what, what they have in common is that what they do every day is study Iraq and Syria, and they study ISIS and they study al-Qaeda. So they're essentially they're like subject matter experts uh, um, in these topics. Uh, uh we know that some of them have been doing this for many many years mm-hmm. uh even going back to the beginning of the war in Iraq and so they have a, a level of experience and insights that is informed by studying this problem over many years and you know in the folks that we were in touch with it was clear to us that these were not amateurs these are not people who uh are sort of dilettants these are really you know people who spend their days study these problems very close up. And we should emphasize, too, in the intelligence business, people often arrive at different conclusions looking at the same set of facts. And what's supposed to happen is that all of those differing points of view are supposed to be taken into account and generally what the intelligence agencies are supposed to do is avoid kind of a groupthink or a mashing together or trying to achieve consensus. These things are very frowned upon specifically because they're what happened in 2002 with the run-up to the Iraq war, and of course produced a really disastrous and flawed assessment of Iraq's, supposed weapons programs that did not take into account sufficiently the dissenting views of analysts who said, hey, wait a second. Uh, We don't think Iraq has the weapons program that some people think it does. So in that context, this is what these analysts are sort of throwing up the red flag on, saying this is not how we're supposed to do it. Just because our view doesn't necessarily comport with the different agencies or what the political narrative seems to be is not a reason to discount it or to try and alter it.
1: And in fact, uh, you know, I've spoken with uh, many in the uh, intel community over the years, and Shane Harris, you're explaining it exactly correct as far as they are supposed to be nonpartisan, nonpartial one way or another, and simply report the evidence even when, and and frankly, especially when, uh, there are conflicting views. and. They put in their reports and then the final reports come back and uh, have the differing views in there. And so that officials higher up, for example, the president of the United States, can see sort of both sides of these issues and make the determination for himself uh, one way or another. Now, these people, and again, reportedly 50 intelligence. That's a lot of people. 50 intelligence uh, analysts. Yeah. And, and it sounds like you spoke to a lot. Eleven. Uh, of them, uh, so they are making their assessment, they're sending it into their higher-ups, and then they are seeing the final report, which then gets issued, I guess, to to the president, and they are saying, hey, the stuff that I sent in is no longer in this report?
0: Well, it's not clear to me that they're seeing absolutely the final report, but what they are seeing is people above them making changes to their report. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) they have enough uh uh insight into what's happening that they have have, have, have voiced specific objections about that and folks we talked to also described a something subtler uh which is more of kind of a climate if you like uh in their in their workplace where they could they just sort of Understand that their views are not the ones that are favored, and you're sort of going to, it's kind like, oh, here we go again, you know, with you and the Al Qaeda stuff. Yeah. There's that kind of a sense that they have, and what some analysts said is leading them almost to self-censor and to kind of pull punches. So you have a range, I think, of people feeling that the climate is just a little hostile and against them, all the way to people saying, you're actually taking things out of my report that are supposed to be there. Um, and this has been going on for many months, is what we also learned. This is not just tied to the assessment of ISIS, but even going back many months, analysts um, writing reports uh, saying that al-Qaeda was a lot stronger uh, than some of the intelligence community, or maybe even on the National Security Council would like to say that it is. And and they describe this feeling of getting this pushback of why do you kind of keep going with mm. the al-Qaeda is strong line when we're beating them. Uh, and, and look, to be fair... The Defense Department Inspector General will go to the people, if they're doing it correctly, will go to the people who are named in this complaint as being sort of the ones who are doing this uh, influencing, and will say, you know, respond to the allegations and tell us your side of the story. And we haven't heard that side yet. But what I think is notable is that these, you know, 50, actually 52 professionals who are doing this every day, to really to go against their bosses to take this to the i g is a very bold move and, uh, and uh, really, very strongly that they
1: have a case and uh Shane, you, your phone broke up just a little bit, but you 're saying that the fact that they 're going to the uh, to the i g with this case uh underscores the seriousness of it it's not just uh, random complaints that are, are being tossed out there they're actually going and filing a formal complaint we we've right. we've spoken uh about some of the people making these uh, these complaints uh who are who are the people who are there they're complaining about who are these uh these folks who are uh said to be manipulating the intelligence are these Uh, career professionals or these political appointees from the Obama administration? Uh, And is there any evidence that it's actually coming from, you know, the president himself? When we had these, uh, you know, in the lead up to the Iraq war, of course, we had the infamous Downing Street memos uh, where British foreign ministers talked about, uh, you know, Bush, Cheney and so forth actually fixing the facts around the policy, as they described it at the time. Uh, do we have those claims here? I'm, I'm trying to figure out who uh, who are the bad actors here if these reports are are, are accurate.
0: Right, you have two really great questions. So let me take the first one. The the sort of uh, immediate um, uh, focus of the complaint uh, are people who are within who are running the intelligence directorate at centcom so you sometimes hear this referred to as the j-2 it means this of the people who are in charge of intelligence and here we'd be talking about career military officers uh... In a senior rank people who would be in this position who would be running it would be going on to 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 bigger and better and more important positions So sort of people kind of climbing that career ladder if you like it's very much focused on those people who are sort of the bosses of intelligence the ones who are overseeing intelligence Operations and analysis at Central Command. At Central now, Command, but second,
1: but but for the military, correct? Right. I mean, and that's so an Central important. Central
0: Command, right? So the way this works is that Central Command, I mean, it is running as a command and it runs the uh, the military, the operations, the war in Afghanistan. Uh, sorry, sorry, uh, against ISIS and um, uh, Syria mm-hmm. uh, and in Iraq. Now the question of then who above them is potentially sending a message or or directing things to say we want things a certain way. That is an unanswered question in all of this, and I'm not sure that the analysts themselves know, but their impression, at least some of them, seems to be that the people who are in this command level, these positions, are perhaps trying to... Uh, appeal to their betters and their seniors, trying to sort of get on what they think uh, is the party line. Uh, no indications yet that there is somebody at the very top or in the White House directing this uh, this but that is a big unanswered question is. For whom do these senior-level commanders think they are modifying these, or is it more of just a dispute within Central Command? Mm. Uh, uh, both would be significant. But to that second question of who above those commanders who are the targets of the complaint, we don't know the answer to that it, yet.
1: And it's obviously very early in this uh, in this reporting, as this is just the story is really just beginning to emerge, but. Because you you have like you said under the Bush administration, where you had the administration itself, the political appointees trying to manipulate uh, the intelligence. We could have that here. We don't yet have any such evidence, uh, as far as I understand. We could also have, since these are military uh, uh, career folks. Uh, could it be argued that, or and did any of your sources bring this up? That you know, perhaps, hey, this is. The military they're making the argument that hey, our military is doing a great job we're we're defeating ISIS. things are going great, and uh it would be good if our intelligence that we send up up the chain actually reflects what a great job we here in the military are doing could Could that be yeah. the source of this
0: yeah, I mean, I think what kind we're getting there is you know, there's the, there were some folks that we talked to who described, but I guess what I would describe, characterized as a sense that these senior people were practicing careerism, you know, yeah. and that they wanted to, you know... Uh, uh, e- have reports that's made the operations, which of course Central Command is overseeing. It looked like it's making progress. Mm-hmm. That you know we're succeeding, and we need the reports to say that. Um, and again, we need to, we still need to hear from the people who are the target of this complaint. I mean, they may push back and say, "Listen, here are five reasons why these people's analysis is flawed, and we're going to stand by our reasoning uh, as well." But, again, just going back to the whole issue of having it raised but to level of general tells you the disagreement is very deep.
1: Yeah, well, having it uh, raised and also having 50 uh, people <laughs> in on this claim. <laughs> make...
0: I've never seen anything like this. I mean, it's usually whistleblowers are, you know, in ones and twos sure. for, for a group of people en masse to complain like this it's certainly unique in my experience as a reporter uh,
1: yeah it's it's quite incredible and that's why i'm i'm somewhat surprised actually that there hasn't been uh you know more of an explosion today particularly among uh you know critics of obama folks on the right i would think they'd be all over yelling and screaming about how barack obama is manipulating the intelligence whether he is or isn't you know uh picking up on this and that's one of the concerns that i one of the questions i should say that i have you know we saw a lot of so-called intelligence sources uh, unnamed coming out, uh, you know, against the Obama administration when it came to Benghazi. And then once we found out who they were and what their claims were, they kind of quickly fell apart. Do you have any information, Shane Harris, in your reporting, uh, at least on the 11 folks who you were able to uh, to to speak to and get on the record, if 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 not uh, able to name them here um, are they do they have any of these people have a record of being you know critics of the Obama administration sort of the, the you know that Benghazi group uh, okay. do, what what can you tell me in that regard?
0: i would I would not though in terms of their views on Benghazi, I don't think I, I could I could say, but I think generally it would be fair to say that as as a group, most of them have taken the view that al-Qaeda is stronger than it is, and they would say that with ISIS, too, but if we kind of go back to even pre-ISIS, yeah. there some of these people are folks who have been saying for quite some time, even after the raid that killed Osama bin Laden, look, al-Qaeda is still strong, it can still conduct operations, and and that is generally speaking, has not been in line with, I think, what the administration's public argument and view has been. Not that you've ever seen the president come out and declare the war on terror is over, but they think they take arguably a more pessimistic line that would put them at odds with the view of the administration. Now, does that mean that they are somehow like more aligned with Republicans or conservatives? Um, I I don't know that, Uh, but it certainly is a, you might say, more, again, pessimistic kind of view uh, of Al-Qaeda. And, and I think that when they see particularly elected officials coming out and saying, you know, positive things about, you know, how the war is going and we're really knocking Al-Qaeda back in its heels, I think it frustrates these analysts. I don't know that they're motivated by political views as much as their belief that they see the truth and that uh, uh, publicly people are telling a different story. And whether they're motivated by yeah. Simply different analysis or politics is another question
1: I got you and, and the reason and we've got just a minute or so left here but the reason I was asking that I'm not you know specifically trying to you know dig if, if these are the Benghazi people or if they have a position on that but rather if they are known critics of the administration known political uh, right. critics of the administration
0: it's, you know, it's a good question yeah. to ask and look, and look we, and we, I can we said we don't know who all 50 of these people right. are uh, of course. Uh, some more might may come out on that later, but yeah uh, but I think, I think that is a, a, a perfectly logical question to be asking sure
1: uh, very quickly if these claims if these claims are credible, as I understand it, the inspector general uh, for the intelligence community here, which by the way, is a position according to the New York Times, it was just created in uh, in two thousand and eleven. It took this long, I guess, to have an i g uh, for the intelligence community but Uh, As I understand it, if the IG finds these claims to be credible, they are then supposed to advise the House and Senate intel committees. Has that happened yet, to your knowledge and reporting, Shane Harris?
0: Not to my knowledge have they offered any advice on this, but we do know that the intelligence committees in the House and the Senate are aware of uh, the Inspector General investigation, and, and I, I am near, uh, nearly certain we're aware of it before the very first reports came out revealing that the DOD Inspector General even was looking into this. Um, and, and ultimately, this is not a criminal investigation. The Inspector General can make recommendations on what should be done, and then it is up to the DOD and to central command whether they want to act on those.
1: I'll tell you, I sift through a lot of stories, as I know you do, Shane, uh, uh, trying to uh, separate the wheat from the chaff, figuring out Which of these uh, claims, there's so much noise out there, which ones uh, actually uh, have legs, are legitimate, are credible. Uh, And frankly, against this administration, I have seen a lot of claims made over the past seven years at this point, and so few of them seem to add up. This one... The reason I called you is because this one is quite troubling, is quite disturbing, and uh, I don't know where this goes from here, but it sounds like you at least have confidence that uh, this is a legitimate report and, and could have legs as you see it, Shane?
0: Oh, I think so. I mean, I think that there's a lot more that we need to hear about mm-hmm. this, and it's not going away. I think that you might see uh, some investigations into this on the Hill uh, coming up shortly. And, look, even Secretary of Defense Ash Carter responded to this today and said he directed his um, head of intelligence to remind all intelligence officials that he expects to see, in his words, unvarnished uh, reporting. So it's already having an effect, uh, and um, I don't think that this story is going away.
1: Excellent. Uh, Well, it would be nice to have an actual real story instead of sifting through the uh, Benghazi-like nonsense. Uh, an actual scandal in this administration. That'd be nice. Uh, Shane Harris, uh, congratulations on this report. Uh it's it's quite explosive, and uh I look forward to uh, seeing more uh, uh, on this story as we move forward. Shane Harris, national security correspondent for The Daily Beast. His story over at thedailybeast.com with Nancy Youssef. Exclusive. Fifty spies say ISIS intelligence was cooked. Thank you, Shane. Hope to talk to you again about uh, this story as it moves forward.
0: Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: You bet. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. You're listening to The Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. We, quite literally, today, we are absolutely melting out here <laughs> in Los Angeles. Uh, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, Desi Doyen, there is a heat wave on the West Coast, on the East Coast, on the South. Do we call it South Coast down there in uh, Texas? And, Gulf Coast. Uh, Gulf Coast. Uh, it is hot.
2: It is terribly hot, and it's it's, really unusual and unseasonal as well. Really? Yeah, we're getting used to having these heat waves, but it is unusual.
1: I wonder why it's happening. It must be just cycles, uh, sunspots. I have no idea what could possibly be causing this, (laughs) even though we've been kind of warning about it for uh, starting to push a decade at this point. Uh, Speaking of it, uh, let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. America's government has been bought.
2: A new entry into the 2016 Democratic presidential race. And yes, we've got his position on climate change. This law will limit how often we can drive our own cars. Oil industry's deceptive ad campaign succeeds in California. As the state breaks new ground in climate and energy legislation. Plus... Energy is my baby. Oil and gas and minerals, those things that God has dumped on this part of the earth for mankind's use. Sarah Palin wants to be energy secretary and then quit.
1: She always quits. All of those stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment
2: i think a lot about department of energy and if i were um head of that i'd get rid of it
1: if you were the head of that sarah palin i'd want to get rid of it too this is your green news report Okay, Desi Doyen, all year long, you have been reporting the climate change positions of every single major presidential candidate to enter the race, whether Republican or Democratic. Haven't had any third party people yet, but we do have yet another candidate, this time on the Democratic side.
2: Yes, we thought we were done, but we now have a new entry into the 2016 race.
1: You thought you were done, but press on.
2: Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Lessig announced his candidacy for the Democratic nomination on Wednesday. Lessig says if you want action on huge challenges like climate change, you have to get money out of politics. So his one goal as president will be to fix campaign finance reform and then quit. Because as he explained in his announcement, that's the one thing that has to change first.
1: Only if we do this do we have a chance to solve the problems that hold America back.
2: Lessig accepts the science of climate change and calls for swift action after he does campaign finance reform. Former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin wants to be Secretary of Energy if Donald Trump is elected president in 2016. She volunteered for the job in an interview with Jake Tapper on CNN. Energy is my baby, oil and gas and minerals. And if I were um, head of that, I'd get rid of it. And I'd let the states start having more control over the lands that are uh, within uh, their boundaries and the people who are affected by the developments within their states. So, you know, if I were in charge of that, it would be a short term job. Okay, so um... (laughs) all of her
1: jobs seem to be short term. (laughs) So Lawrence Lessig wants to become president and then quit. And Sarah Palin wants to be energy secretary. And then quit. Yes. Nice work if you can quit it.
2: Well, it turns out that Sarah Palin is not actually clear on what the Energy Secretary's job is. The Energy Department manages the nation's nuclear weapons, high-tech research, and development. It's the Interior Department that is in charge of oil and gas development. You know,
1: oil and gas and all those things that are her baby... Are not even in the energy department that she wants to run?
2: Different department altogether.
1: I hope she gets the job so she can be fired.
2: Meanwhile, in California, the state legislature is tackling an ambitious agenda on climate change and pollution. First, they banned microbeads in personal care products that are for sale in the state. Microbeads are tiny plastic pellets used in products like toothpaste and face grubs. They're not caught by municipal wastewater systems and are now polluting lakes and rivers and mistaken for food by marine animals. The California state legislature also passed legislation requiring the state's two huge employee pension funds to divest from coal. California's two largest employee pension funds control a combined $400 billion in investments and are the largest pension funds yet to divest from coal.
1: That is a huge story.
2: California is also considering a major climate bill to cut the state's pollution and carbon emissions, setting a target for California to get half of its electricity from renewable sources and to cut the state's petroleum use in half within 15 years. But of course, the oil industry is against the idea of consumers buying less oil and launched a deceptive million dollar ad campaign. Some say it's about state regulators limiting how far we can drive by rationing gas, increasing costs or penalizing drivers for using too much gas. But really, it's about making it harder for regular people to drive to work and drive home each day. None of that is actually true, as Tim O'Connor of the Environmental Defense Fund explained on the broadcast. The Western States Petroleum Association, or WISPA, behind the ads, is afraid the idea will spread.
0: If other states see California, the nation's leader in gasoline use, cutting its consumption and cutting its spending... I think they're going to want some of that for themselves, and that's where I think WISPA really wants to stop this uh, this snowball from, from growing and uh, taking hold.
2: However, the oil industry in California won on Wednesday in getting that 50% cut in petroleum use withdrawn from the bill. But California Governor Jerry Brown has vowed to continue the effort via regulatory methods.
1: So the million-dollar lie campaign worked
2: for now brown says they won the battle but he thinks they'll lose the war
1: we'll see if they lose it in time for much more on those stories and the ones we couldn't get to today please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com find us and follow us on the facebooks and the twitters at green news report i'm brad friedman and i'm desi doyan and this has been your green news report Wow. That was a lot of news in six minutes, Desi Doyen.
2: (laughs) A lot has happened this week.
1: Uh, It has, and uh, frankly, a lot of news in in one hour here on the Bradcast. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it in full, as always, over at Bradblog.com. You can and should sign up for a free subscription to the Bradcast over at iTunes. And while you're there, give us a good review. If you think we deserve it, uh, so that it makes it a little bit easier for other people to find us. If you don't think we deserve it, uh, don't go over to iTunes. iTunes. What Tell is us. I, what is iTunes? I would never heard about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Tell us. Our email address, you can uh, reach me and Desi. And please, someone write in and criticize Desi. No. Why are they always criticizing me? Our email address, bradcast at bradblog.com. Uh, and of course, you can and should follow me on the Twitters and the Facebook at the Brad Blog. We'll be back with you, same Brad time, same Brad channel tomorrow. Until then, my thanks to Desi Doyan, our producer, to our booking goddess Cynthia Cohn, to my guest today, Shane Harris of the Daily Beast, and of course to you and all of our listeners, particularly those of you who have uh, answered our call. And stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us on the air without corporate influence so we can say whatever we damn well please. All right, we'll see you soon. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.